Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 262nd episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter or on threads at Hawk Blogger. Yes, we are back. The intrepid crew has returned from a nice little summer break to talk Seahawks, which we will eventually do. But since we haven't seen each other for a while, we will probably talk about other things for uh, at least a few minutes. Um, let me bring everybody in. Uh, first of all, Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Are you also at Dana OG on Threads? I yeah, it might be the the Dana OG because I think that's the what my Instagram Dana was OG. under. Well, I think that's what my Instagram was under. I don't know. Okay, all right. So, uh, Dana, mm-hmm. uh, you did a little traveling this summer. Yes, where'd you go? <laughs> the whole month of June, I was not home for more than five days in a row at all between Memorial day and like the 10th of July. It was that it was, it was crazy, but yes, I'm, I did a fun little trip to Austin to go to a concert and then we did a couple of lake weekends. And then I did get to go to Scotland and Ireland for a couple of weeks, which was an amazing trip. I recommend if you can to head over that. Had you been, um, we had been to Edinburgh a couple of times, but we had never been to the Highlands. So that's where we went was the Scottish Highlands. And then we went, um, we just kind of, we did a tour. We went all around Ireland, including Northern Ireland, which was very cool. So that was really, nice. and we hadn't been there before. So yeah. did you stay in, uh, Inverness? Uh, no, we didn't or stay visit? in Inverness. Yeah. We stayed in a little tiny village called Bankery, which is, um, out not too far from Balmoral. And so we were in Aberdeen and then we went up that direction, but we didn't stay there. No but it's very cool. It's so beautiful. Scotland is everything I thought Ireland would look like. And mm. Ireland didn't really look like that it as much, but Scotland, it was just gorgeous. So yeah. That sounds amazing. Well, yeah. we are happy to have you back and happy to see you. And especially for folks that didn't already see Dana, this is her second podcast of the night. The queen of Seahawks podcasting is at it again. Uh, next you heard him already, Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB on Twitter. And have you gotten on threads yet? I have. And I sent out some like sassy tweets about Elon Musk, I think, or I guess threads about Elon Musk or whatever we call them nowadays. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I, I, I want threads to succeed so badly, but there's just like some core product like flaws 
from an offering perspective that just make it like untenable for me right now. So I'm going to hold the username over there. But, you know, Twitter has a certain level of toxicity and brain poisoning that I feel like we're all very, at least I'm like addicted to. So <laughs> I don't know if that will translate to threads, but yes. Yeah, I see well. a question in the chat about what is Threads. So if you haven't heard, everyone's been trying to come up with Twitter competitors since Twitter started going downhill. And one that is finally a legitimate contender has emerged. It is from Meta, formerly Facebook. And more officially, it is from Instagram. And it is basically allows you to build off your Instagram account to create a threads account and threads is essentially like a Twitter knockoff. And as far as I know, was also built by a lot of the former Twitter engineers and product folks and stuff like that. So I think people basically went from Twitter to threads and then just spent five months rewriting the same stuff they had written at Twitter. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, it, it's passable, it's passable, but you know, when you've already kind of established a community in one platform, it's really hard. And I think a lot of folks use Instagram differently than they use Twitter. So I don't think their audiences are necessarily the same. So there's a lot of barriers, but if you haven't already, I would recommend going over to threads and grabbing username. I thought about telling my, my oldest son to go start, um, poaching a bunch of usernames and then using it as a oh my God. way to get a uh, foot in the door for interviews for social media jobs at various companies. Like, Hey, I, I, I grabbed this for you. Uh, let's talk. Um, but he, he hasn't done that yet. Um, Jeff, real Jeff Simmons is here as well. We are really happy to see Jeff. Um, Jeff, have you gone on threads yet? I have not actually. I asked the same question to you guys in the chat i did not know what threads was i've been kind of off the social media grid for a bit <laughs> i got that rate limit thing a bunch of times and that's when i realized how addicted to twitter i am and i was pretty rattled by that so i am not on threads i am one of the few guys of my friend group who doesn't have instagram i had instagram years ago and i hated it yeah so i absolutely hated it and twitter's good enough for me and no, I haven't tried to find that next version yet. I, I like Twitter as much as it drives me crazy. It's just part of my routine at this point. It is pretty remarkable how shitty they've made Twitter. And I still have not left it. I mean, that's pretty good lock-in for a company that has not been able to figure out a business model all these years. And I... I can't say I outright refuse, but I, I generally have like, I'm not going to pay them. I'm not interested in paying them. And if they got to the point where I had to pay or leave Twitter, I might pay. I don't know. That, that's, that'll be the ultimate question. But I mean, it breaks pretty much every day at this point. So isn't yeah. there a golden rule of business where it's like, you don't make, you don't charge for something that was like previously permanently free or something like without changing it or something like that, like the Facebook movie or something. There's like a line about that. It, yeah. it just, it just feels weird. Like it's, it, they've made so many drastic negative changes oh, in the past year. Bad. The one thing I will say that I think does have the potential to legitimately kill Twitter is if those rate limits returned for any sort of sustained period, that will fuck everything. That was insane. We will not make this a whole podcast about Twitter, but that definitely in my 
outside of Seahawks life and just talking tech and product management was like, why are you limiting people from experiencing your product? Exactly. This is seems like only bad. Um, Especially for a product that like monetizes like eyeballs, right? Yeah. Like with advertisements. Yeah. Just makes no sense. It's bizarre. Bizarre. All right. Um, I'm going to hand it over to Dana, who is going to host tonight. Um, I have been, uh, my summer has been a high school graduation for my youngest son, uh, a college graduation for my oldest son, uh, anniversary, birthdays, uh, like traveling back and forth across the country a few times. I've been really out of it. I've never hit the Twitter rate limit because I barely have been on Twitter so I am entrusting Dana to actually guide us through a worthwhile conversation because God knows I'm not the one to do it right now. So where does, where does it start, Dana? So here's the thing everyone needs to know. I said, guys, when is our first show back? Because I was trying to get a couple of weeks set up and Brian's like, is there anything to talk about? I was like, really? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I got this. No worries. Cause there's plenty to talk about. I think the most important thing to talk about right first though, you guys, tomorrow, those throwbacks come out. I have not been this excited about something so menial. I like, I mean, it just, I'm so excited for these damn jerseys. And you know, I don't, I'm not a Jersey buyer. I have one, I have a Richard Sherman Jersey. That's it. I don't buy a ton of them and I cannot wait to get my hands on them. There's been a lot of concern that there's not going to be enough silver. I keep seeing there's not enough silver. There's not enough silver. We don't know. We have no idea what they look like. So I I, I think, I know the helmets will be silver, but I, am I just dumb? It, it, I'm so excited. Jeff, are you excited at all? But these jerseys are, are you typical Jeff where you're like, meh, it's good. <laughs> it's such a boring point of the off season. Like, we'll take I, it. Thank you, Jeff. I'll take it. Thank like, you. I'm so tired of these lists and like having. We're like, talking about the lists. Lists are dumb. Oh, it's list season right now because you're in the dead zone. But like the first year, I do have a bunch of Seahawks jerseys. The first one I got was a Joey Galloway one from that oh, wow. era. And mm. I think that was in like 1999. So, yeah, I'm kind of excited. I've been, I've been hoping those jerseys would come back for a couple mm-hmm. years now. And there was some rule about well, because they had that three, that wolf gray or the puke green jersey. Um, they couldn't bring in another one. But I'm actually excited for this one. It's, yeah. It's such a boring part of like part of, but it's different, right? I just keep like, finally, we have a little something different. You know, I I think that that's, I think it's important. I don't know. I'm jacked. Now, is it just for one game that they're like bringing it back for, or is it like a series of games? That's all they've announced. So I don't know if it's replacing the lime green. I don't know if it's replacing the wolf gray. Like, I don't Mm. know that, but I think they've only announced just the one game against the Browns that they'll wear it in. So, which then the Browns released their all whites today, which I thought were really sharp too. So it could be, I don't know. It could be fun. Yeah. Brian's like, could, I could give two shit. He doesn't care. I, I'm just, honestly, I was trying to think like, how different are the Browns throwback jerseys? Like I think they've worn the same jerseys. They're pretty much the same. Aren't yeah, they? They, they came out with an all white. So they have a white helmet and but is that what they're going to wear in our throwback game? Because that's not. No, I think it's a totally different week. I think yeah. it's like against Cincinnati. Oh, the chat's telling us it's the games against the Browns and the Cowboys. Oh, wow. It's a Thursday. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I'm so excited. All right. We don't have to talk about that anymore. Are you going to buy one? All of you? 
maybe mm-hmm. a youth XL. Although a DK Metcalf, <laughs> I, I think that the, the, if you're going to go throwback, you've got to go the most modern type of player and athlete on your current team. Something that's the contrast. So like a Geno Smith throwback, I don't think that's the way, but like a DK Metcalf throwback or a Devin Witherspoon or something that's like super youthful, super elite athlete that didn't exist back then. Uh, that would be pretty sweet. I, I could see that. Okay. So can I ask a question then who would be the most underrated Jersey buy right now? That is like not a mainstream, you know, Seahawks household name on the Seahawks on the Seahawks. So like, I mean, I like an Abe Lucas. The offensive linemen have long tenures, so those those can last a while. I don't know. I'm a little obsessed with Mike Morris right now. I was going to say Mike Morris. No. (laughs) Really? I I want to know. I know a little bit about Dana's. Why, Evan? What's your Mike Morris uh, obsession? Hasn't the coaching staff been, like, hyping him up to a Mm -hmm. whole nother level that he's just, like – a god basically i don't remember the quotes but like they i just remember reading the quotes and i was like oh shit it's the tedrick thompson era all over again i'm so excited not actually but yeah what's the what's the hit rate for coaches hyping up seahawks that end up being good Mm. well christine michael supposedly had an awakening do you remember that horrible did he have an awakening I don't know. He had like a five, five, over five yards of carry. I don't know. Not an awakening, maybe. Tedrick Thompson. Yeah. That, that was more of the players. Mm-hmm. Really? Were yeah. there others that the coaching staff is like hyped to an ungodly level in like the past like eight or nine years? Drew Locke. Trey <laughs> Flowers. Trey Flowers got a lot of coach hype. Trey Flowers did. You're Trey right. Flowers Good call. He was so bad. He was so bad. <laughs> Is he know. even in the league anymore? I think so. I think so. Oh, yeah. Bengals. He won like, a Super Bowl. As a starter? Well, was... Yeah. No, he didn't start, but he won a Super Bowl with the Bengals. Shit. Well, the Bengals lost. didn't win a Super Bowl. He made the Super Bowl. Made the Super Bowl. Did I say win? Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys yeah I wish the Bengals won. <laughs> yeah. You have no idea. All oh, right. Somebody... I'm excited. Somebody I'm... said Blair. Blair Walsh was probably... <laughs> that That is true Ah. all right so let's go i want to know because evan i want to start with you on this one because you you've been real excited you've been kind of hyped kind of worked out yeah worked up so the off season i want kind of your just your general thoughts i'm gonna ask each one of you i want kind of general thoughts the off season i mean you can throw the draft in there if you want to but we kind of already talked about that more of like has there been a building hype are you more excited are you starting to get a little nervous where are you at yeah i'm uh i'm pretty optimistic right now i think they've added uh a lot of reinforcements in in key areas offensive line they you know threw a couple of positions at the draft in in free agency they brought in that guy from the lions so they kind of have like a four-way competition going between center and, and right guard right now left tackle is really solid you know if we t- expect a year two jump from uh, Charles Cross, you know, Damian Lewis at left guard, Abe Lucas at right tackle. If we get that center or right guard position, like stabilized, potentially even both, that offensive line could be the best unit on this football team. And they might be already positionally. Um, so I'm really excited about what they did on the trenches on the offensive side of the ball. I think the defensive line is still a really big question mark. 
they lot of they lost a lot of rotational pieces. Uh, Quinn Jefferson, Puna Ford. There's more names they lost. Like there's, I don't I don't think it's. I was more like materially negative like a couple of months ago, but I'm starting to talk myself into the hope of the unknown that maybe they're a little bit better run def- in run defense than we expect. But I think there's a big question mark there. Draymond Jones will obviously have to have to have to show up. He got paid an absolute bag this past offseason, something like six, 15, 16, 17 million dollars a year. Seventeen. That's big money. That's like tier one. He better be a you know every Sunday sort of producer, run stopper. Um, I'm just looking across the the roster here. Obviously, you know, defensive back wise, we're absolutely loaded there. Julian Love is a name that I think like we don't he gets lost in the crowd in the mix a little bit and he could end up being a really you know core mm-hmm. contributor defensively especially if jamal adams goes down uh, you know in, in that unfortunate scenario so you know we're expecting him to be i think healthy this year but there's exciting talent that they've added you know there, zach uh I, how do you say his last name before i butcher is it is it charbonnet charbonnet you know, may end up being a low-key producer, somebody to be excited about. Obviously, JSN on the wide receiver side. Like, there, there's solid reinforcements all around. Um, but I think if Seattle's going to make, like, a deeper playoff run this next year, they need um, they need big second-year steps from, you know, some key contributors they had last year. I think Gino needs to have the same or better type of year, frankly. He had a slope towards the end of last year. Uh, would love to see that not happen this year so they've got is, the tools but that's kind of where my head's at is julian loves floor bradley mcdougald oh i think it's higher his floor is higher than that yeah i think he's a better player i do too so you, you think his floor is is higher than that so what's yeah. his floor I'm trying to think of someone a little more versatile Because I, th- I think of him as a no-name you know, uh, acquisition for the most part, cheap acquisition, who became a solid starter for the Seahawks. And I agree with Evan. Julian Love is – I think we all are pretty high on what he can be. I mean, you know, captain for the Giants, played every friggin' position in the secondary, um, young, and – I'm trying to set my, I'm in the uh, trying to set my expectations low category. So I'm trying to think what's realistically so surprising. Worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. What about, like Walter Thurman? what about peak Walter Thurman? Oh, I loved him. Dude, if that's his floor, I got, that'd be sweet. I see a lot. Of, yeah. I see a lot of similarities there. I think you're right, though. It's not a name that gets talked about a ton. I th- and I think that has to do with the rookie class, like from last year and this year, like mm-hmm. people are so focused on how well that was done that they forget a little bit about some of these acquisitions. I'm not going to lie. I pulled up the, the roster a few weeks ago just to kind of look at it. I was getting together to write some stuff and it was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about Jaron Reed. How terrible is that? Like I had just forgotten well, that he was on the team. Well, so I kind of forgettable. Well, but I mean, it's a name I know, you know what I mean? And so I was just like, I was surprised. So I think that that's just it. I think there's been such a focus on these new young guys, which they totally deserve. But I think that like the Julian loves get kind of mixed into that a little bit. Jeff, why don't you let us know what you think about the off season? Are you optimistic? Are you nervous? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm starting to hit that nervous 
like, oh crap, we're too happy about this. Kind of like we were about <laughs> the secondary a couple of years ago. <laughs> See, I, I'm not nervous really at all. Um, there's obviously Evan touched on a lot of the issues with the roster and I think there are very similar roster wise to where Seattle was. I hate when we make these callbacks to other Seahawks teams, but in 2012, I think the roster is in a really similar spot where they had one pretty, they're like one off season away from being like a contender. And 2012, they didn't have a pass rush other than really Chris Clemens. And it was a glaring hole in the team. They lost in the playoffs because they couldn't really get home. And the next year they signed Avril Bennett and they went to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they're on that path, but all throughout the roster, I thought they had a really, really good offseason. And Evan touched on them. They have position groups that could have best in the league ceiling. Their wide receiver group, best in the league ceiling. With Them and the Bengals are probably the top, and there might be another one I'm missing. Their secondary, even if Jamal Adams doesn't play, he's almost house money at this point. They have so many guys like Mike Jackson and Trey Brown. Like They're five deep at corner. Like They haven't been like that since 2013, really. And if you remember what the group we were talking about a couple of years ago when they were trying to get like trade flowers and you're hoping for recoveries from like the guy Witherspoon they had from who went to Pittsburgh, Akella Witherspoon, like they're starting to build really sustainable position groups. Their offensive line, Brandon Thorne, who came out as one of the offensive line experts in the league, he had them ranked in the top 10, which I thought was a pretty astonishing, even though I really like if some of these rookies hit Anthony Bradford was a guy, me and Brian were really, really excited when they drafted. And then Olu, was a guy who could have easily been a second or third round pick. If one of those or two of those rookies hit, I read today they're 32nd in the league in offensive line spending. And if you hit on four rookies or even three, so they really have these position groups. That rush group is okay. And then the running back room could be really good. It's probably obviously you're seeing it in the league. It's the least valuable position. So I'm not that stressed because I don't see them as a contender yet. I see them as that second tier in the NFC, which is pretty weak right now. So there's San Francisco, there's Philly, and then there's sort of a mixed mash of Detroit and Dallas, Seattle. And like you heard Lewis Riddick and you heard his opinion where he said there, this is just this big monster coming. They have these two rookie classes and there's a lot of people in the league that feel that way. I still think they have that glaring hole and it's going to make it hard. So that I see them as a year away, but I think there's just a lot of good things happening and they have, so many good young players emerging and their roster is really ascending at a good level. And like Evan said, it, it really comes down to everything's set up for Gino. He's got the offensive line. He's got the running backs. He's got the receivers, the tight ends. If he can take, keep maintain the level he showed in the first half, or as Brian talked about, even take a step, which there's reasons he could, this team's set up to be really, really good. I don't think they're San Francisco good, but I think they're going to be like a really good team and there's going to be young players. So I think there's going to be ups and downs and, so I'm pretty optimistic right now. I haven't quite hit the Dana level. Maybe once I see that defensive line, I might change, but we'll see. I don't want to say I'm not optimistic because I am. Like, I'm excited about the pieces, but I, I want to, it worries me when I'm not the only one who's positive. <laughs> when other people start getting positive, I'm like, oh God, here we go. Anyway, I'll get over it, I'm sure. Brian, I want to ask you, so there was some talk, you know, Shelby Harris, Jeff and I in the chat, I was like, Shelby Harris tweeted this and he had his eyes of like, maybe he's going to come back. He's like, or maybe he's going to sign for another team. I'm like, shush. So do you think so other than that? Um, so obviously Shelby Harris is still sitting out there, but him or any others, do you see them adding anyone else um, without an injury happening, obviously, because then they have, you know, holes to fill, but do you see them going out and grabbing anyone else? 
I don't think they have the money to really grab uh, yeah. anyone else. Fair. I think they're pretty strapped on in that regard. And I would be shocked if they have enough money to sign someone like Shelby Harris. I think just people make the mistake sometimes of thinking because he's available and he's a vet that he's going to be super, super cheap. Mm-hmm. A lot of times <clears throat> those kinds of vets like the Indomitian Sioux in the past they're just waiting towards later in camp. They don't want to go to camp. Uh, and then they sign their five, six, seven, eight million dollar single year deal. And they're fine with that. Seahawks don't have space for that kind of deal. And even like one to two million is going to be tough right now. So uh, I think we have what we're going to have for the most part. And I don't know, Dana, I, I guess I get excited when I think a team can win a Super Bowl. I don't really think this is a team that is is like it, it maybe in like if you look at like error bars statistically at like the like the the farthest most positive, optimistic and the most negative is there some world and scenario where this, this Seahawks team could win a Super Bowl? I think so. Um but I think it's it's pretty slim like, you know, two out of a hundred kind of slim or one out of a hundred, maybe even. But if I step back and say like, where are, where is this team and its progression? Kind of like what Jeff was saying. I think there's a reasonable case to be made that it's realistic for the Seahawks to have a top five offense this year. Um, and I think it's maybe even realistic for them to be a top three offense this year. And it might be even realistic for the Seahawks to have score the most points that they've ever scored in franchise history. Like, I think the offense can be really, really good. I'm not saying it's going to be, and I'm predicting that. But I think if Geno's what I think Geno's going to be, if that offensive line takes a step forward, if the running backs are who they should be, if the receivers, I mean, I think we can talk about it. Everyone else in the world. But Jackson Smith and Jigba combined with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf is lethal, lethal. And then that makes the tight ends who are also pretty good. I don't think they're elite, but they're pretty good. Like that's one of the better tight end groups the Seahawks have had. And they aren't even in the conversation at all. So I think that it's hard to find real holes with that group. And so that maybe is, as much as I want, and I'm so fixated on the fact that I just cannot stand seeing our team get run over again, and that it seems like there's a decent chance that might happen again on defense. If they can be a top five offense and really look like they're on the come there, then this team will probably have done what it needed to do this year. So finish that thought for me. So you have a top five offense. Where does the defense have to land to not get run over are we thinking mid-pack you think in top fifth you know what where are you thinking that they they have to be in order to somewhat complement that top five offense i think we we sometimes go about that the wrong well maybe i don't know if that applies as much this year i don't think it's about where they rank in points allowed i think it's about whether they can have specific strengths can they be a defense that creates turnovers So you can be a defense that allows a fair amount of points or yards, but if Witherspoon, you know, ends up being what we want him to be and is turning the ball over, Tariq Willen already was someone who's taking the ball away. Kobe Bryant created, you know, we never even talk about him anymore. Anyway, so like if they can create turnovers and be opportunistic, 
plus having a really lethal offense, that could be enough, even if they give up a fair amount. If they can be a team that somehow possibly does not get run on that much, um, then that, I mean, honestly, the, the whole ceiling for this team this year may be about run defense. <laughs> like, it's the, it's really mundane, but if if they can just be not the worst possible run defense, that might be enough for the offense to do what they need to do. So I don't know if I was to bundle it up, maybe it's a, a top 20 points allowed, I think makes you at least a contender. If you've got a top five scoring offense. Yeah. So this was interesting. Mm -hmm. I was just pulling up some data from actually field goals. Um, Seattle's 2022 defense was third ranked third worst in giving up the most big plays allowed and more than half of that. So that's rushes over 10 yards passes over 20 yards and Seattle was top five in rushes, big plays, biggest rush played allows allowed. I can't, you get what I'm saying, but it, and it's not, I, I want to be clear. I'm excited about other parts of the roster, but it's very possible this group is worse this year. Yeah. And 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 I might even go further and say it's likely. We should expect them to be worse. Unless there's like material jumps that, you know, we we don't expect from players or somebody shows up, you know, in an unexpected way, but if you look at what they did in the offseason, who they released, I know I know those rotational players weren't great, but who do we replace them with? Danny, you look so perplexed by that. I, know. I was I was reading the de- the depth chart. I don't think they can be worse. Okay, okay first of all, I, I, I don't yeah, I I don't think they can be worse. I think when you're looking at this, you know that is our our recent pessimism sneaking in just a little bit. If nothing else, flat out, the linebacker group got better. Now, is Bobby who he was? No. Is he the leader they need? Yes. Can he be helpful? Absolutely. Is he going to be what he was? No, of course not. We get that, right? But they did lose some players, but then they they did focus on that defense a little bit. And it's, it's interesting is the big plays, they, they spent some energy in the secondary, right? And so maybe that was in response to that. I'm not really sure, but I don't look at this group and see them worse. Do I see them maybe the same? Maybe close to the same, but I also think that there is, uh, like we've talked about, Quandre Diggs is going to be healthier. He was not himself until really the last part of part of the season. And you guys know I'm still waiting for my fix X Quandre, but um, you know, so I don't, I don't think that they're going to be worse. I, I think that that's um, that's nerves creeping in a little bit. Jeff, you agree? Yeah, I think a lot of the guys they lost, because even Al Woods, he didn't play a lot of the second half of the year last year. Most of the guys they lost weren't really good run defenders, at least. And they weren't the ones who were in the past weren't being schemed properly, like Puna. Puna had been a good run defender in the past. And the way he was used last year just played completely against his strength. So Mm -hmm. I would like to hope that the coaches will make an adjustment. I heard that Sean Desai was in charge of a lot of schemes. And I'm curious what they do with Clint Hurd and what they do up front mm-hmm. I, other than Al Woods there weren't a lot of good run defenders they lost 
And so I'm not going to get into like the Jamal or Quandre because most of the losses they had in the run game were at the line of scrimmage and getting blown off the ball. So I think a year of film and a year of trying to scheme a little differently will just help them. I think you can scheme around them differently. But I think like overall, the players they added, probably the run defense, I don't think will be that much of a glaring. I know talent-wise, they did lose a lot there. And you could probably argue that maybe interior defensive line, they got worse in terms of like pass rushing. Quentin Jefferson, really good interior pass rusher. Shelby Harris, really good interior pass rusher. Puna Fork in the right scheme. There's not a lot of good run defenders there. And I think Reed and Cam Young, I think some of those guys can just at least fill holes and like do things a little better than some of the other guys. As from an interior pass rush perspective, they could be, if Draymond Jones gets hurt or isn't playing well, they are super thin there in terms of like interior rush. That, that, that could be a glaring issue that hasn't been talked about a lot. Two things. Mm-hmm. I'm emotionally traumatized by the Raiders game still. Okay. So, so that, that is burned into my memory. Josh Jacobs breaking away for another 80 yard run or whatever the fuck at the, at, in overtime. So I want, you to know, I'm still processing that and my brain may not be fully logical. So I have experienced trauma. Okay. Number two, I cannot believe the Seahawks let Quinn Jefferson walk this off season. <laughs> That broke you me. Can't, I mean, that Jaren broke Reed me. will always be better than Quentin Jefferson. Like you just. I love that that came full circle. That bothered me so much. I don't know. That pe- <laughs> I don't know that people know how much Jaron Reed and Quentin Jefferson have been subject of like an unreasonable amount of chatter in Real Hawk Talk chat has been around Quentin Jefferson and Jaron Reed. That's like lore in our in our circle. <laughs> right in the middle of defensive line. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I feel like years have been wasted on that conversation <laughs> for sure. For I mean, sure. that's where we are, right? Though we just spend the time on these mediocre guys that have such low ceilings. And oh, what they paid Jaron Reed when they brought him back this year? Too much, like four million, maybe four, million or something. four and a half, maybe just too much. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's not that good. He, yeah, like, no, I, I've been the, I've been the proponent of Jaron Reed relative to these guys, especially yeah. Evan, who thinks he's like the worst player to ever <laughs> walk the face of the earth. Uh, I like the guy did have, you know, a couple years, he had 10 and a half sacks one year. I mean, you could poo poo it all you want, but not he a did lot pull- of interior linemen ever do that. And, He's been all right. I think he had another year where he had like maybe six sacks or something. I can't remember, but um, and he's a decent run defender. Whatever. Quinn Jefferson for me is just all flash. Never actually produces. Like he can't tackle anybody, so he gets in the backfield, but then never actually like never brings anybody down. So and he's also an awful run defender. So anyway, whatever. That's what they've started. This is what we do. Have a good defensive line. I want them to be the badasses. I want them to beat other people up. I don't want to listen to fucking 49ers go on their shows during the offseason bragging about how they ran the same fucking play over and over against us and how easy it was and how much they just dominated us. I fucking don't want that anymore. I am (laughs) of having that be my team. That's linked to my identity and my self-worth get freaking run over. I am sick of it. 
So that's what it, that's what I don't want. Well, if he makes you feel any better, Grant Cohn has picked the Seahawks to win the division and for the 49ers to fall apart. So, you know, we need to bring him on the pod. Podcaster out there right now. Yeah, yeah I would be I'm taking so a complete 180 on him. I he's now become like my favorite guy on Twitter. Oh my god, <laughs> we all have to get physical security though, like before we do that podcast. I don't think I don't think Grant Cohen and Evan can be on the same place at, in, in the podcast at any time because they're the same person. Spider Man gift where they're both pointing at each other. Like he just triggers his own fan base, uh, like more than anybody else. The way that Evan does that with with the Seahawks Twitter, so, <laughs> so the true. way he trolls Kyle Shanahan is <laughs> unbelievable. I, know. All right. I would love to hear Evan and Grant Cohen uh, argue about Kyle Shanahan and Pete Carroll inversely. Like, like Evan would be like just drooling over Kyle Shanahan and Cohen would be drooling over Pete Carroll and everyone would be like, what do you mean? He sucks. Pete Carroll's the worst. It would be hilarious. I would enjoy oh that. Oh my gosh. It I love suck. how we totally struck a nerve though with you, Brian. I could see anger like populating on to your pop. face. <sighs> I love that. I love, I love it when you get angry. Oh, it man. brings me joy. There's literally nothing that is more frustrating to me than a bad run defense like oh, my team having, like that is the worst i hate it yeah it's taking a spine out of your back <sighs> yeah god you guys have listeners you have no idea how much we talk about this all right so here's the thing i want to know so i know additions you guys don't really think that there's any room for additions there seems to be a conversation going on on twitter though about who the surprise cut is gonna be mm. jeff do you have any idea looking at the roster who the one that fans are going to be not happy about that's going to get cut? If any, if any. I don't know if there is one. Let me think about it for a second. Okay. What about Evan? I, mm, I thought I had a name, but I misjudged which contract year he was in. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll say his name for next year. I mm-hmm. think Will Disley could, could get cut mm-hmm. next year. Oh, he's 100% getting cut next year. Yeah. yeah. He's I making like a million dollars. His whole contract. He'll get money. restructured. He's not going to get cut. Uh, I just don't really have that guy. Like, I know. Pretty obvious right now. The problem is we don't really – well, this isn't a problem, but like we don't have a high, ton of like – maybe Noah Fant like on a different deal or something, like cut and I don't know. Kind of I've got a few. I've got a few I'd put in that category. I'm just looking through here right now. So one that I think would, I think a training camp star people are going to fall in love with and likely will get cut. I'm going to go with Jake Bobo, unrestricted free agent from UCLA uh, receiver, tall receiver, slow as molasses but uh i think is a pretty productive player so i I think he could be one of those guys that flashes and people are upset when he gets cut um another guy i i'm gonna go out there (laughs) i wonder i don't know how much guaranteed money devin bush has Hmm. i have a question mark there that would be a shocker for most people partially because one of my training camp sleepers is vi jones I think Vi Jones is an interesting linebacker to watch. 
I also, as everyone knows, am a fan of Mr. Radigan. And I'll be curious to see how he plays during the preseason. He was injured last season, right? Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. He mm-hmm. came back from injury. Yeah. Um, and then there was one other person I was thinking about. Who was it? Um, yeah. yeah. I have one. Okay, go ahead. D. Eskridge. I don't think it's likely, but Eskridge's issue has been an inability to get on the field. And mm-hmm. they essentially replaced him. He was brought in to be the third receiver, the slot receiver. He's been replaced with a first-round pick. So his ceiling in the program is already low. I know Gino's been working out with them and hyping him up. But if he comes out and gets injured again and can't mm-hmm. practice throughout training camp and just can't get on the field, that could be a scenario where they just walk away. He's got, he's got one more year after this. They have the depth to replace him. I don't see it as likely, but again, it, if he's not healthy again and he's going through the same mm-hmm. stuff as last year where he pulls a hammy the first day and he's out running on the side, I could see them walking away. We did have already a surprise cut on the Seahawks roster. Um, the first few letters of Tariq Woolen's name. I have not yet adjusted to the fact that he is officially on the roster as Reek Woolen, R-I-Q. What? Yeah. 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 Okay. Hold up. Really important observation. Jake Bobo looks exactly like Justin Herbert. <laughs> these two, have we ever seen these two men in the same room together? Don't know. They are identical. Thanks for that, Evan. Analysis for you. <laughs> they literally you look thrilling. They both have lush, like sweaty, gross hair that goes super far back. They have the exact same mustache, the exact same facial hair, close to the same eyebrows, exact same eyes, and they're both like six foot four. Thank God we have our own tray to do editing and cut this part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Look this up. Google this on images. I'm dead ass serious. Uh, all right. I want to talk about oh, Gino. God, for just... Oh, my God. We're moving on, boys. Come on. That's what I'm saying. Dana, take control. Oh, Lord. Of Evan? Yeah, you've never been able to do it. How can I yeah. do it? All right. So here's the thing. I want to talk about Gino for a couple of minutes because – as we know, he was such a great surprise last year, right? And everyone kept, was so impressed with him and, and everything that he did and come back player and all that other good stuff. Then in came everyone who's like, but it's only been one year. You know, so let's see if he can manage to do it again. And that negativity comes in again. I will tell you that I followed Gino on social media and he is working his tail off, right? And so... I am feeling really good about Gino. I don't think last year was a flash in the pan. Do any of you, any of you have any reservations about him at all? Define reservations. What, who are you pointing at, Brian? You. Who are you pointing at? Oh, oh, guy, the guy sweating in Arizona. Well, um, that would be because he still has a special place in his heart for number three. And we understand that, but. Andrew Locke. It's true. He also loves Drew Law. Evan, what's wrong with you? For God's sake. No, I'm just kidding. So why? What are these reservations? So let me just say this. The contract came in way more friendly than I expected. And, Which is good. And I'm super comfortable with the deal he's on. 
Let me start off by saying that. I think it's like, if you look at values contract-wise in the NFL, I think it's one of the best value contracts like mm-hmm. in the NFL across all positions, especially at quarterback. I, I just, yes, he played really well last year. He was a totally different player. We saw accuracy and things about him or things from him that we've never seen before. But like, it still was only one year. So could he, could he do it again this year? Yes. But he, like, let's not forget that the first eight games from Gino last year was were like in some measures on a historic pace, mm-hmm. like breaking records. So expecting that to repeat from a player who had his first real good material year, you know, in his thirties, I just, I just don't want to forget about that. I think that's important context. So it's not as hot takey as you think, but it, it, it's just, I don't know. I, 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 the, the deal came in way more favorable than expected, but you know, expecting him to repeat those first eight games. I think it's, I think it's courageous. Hmm. I, I get that. But at the same time, you know, I'm not saying he can't do it. I want to be, no, clear. I know. I know you're not saying, no, I know that I like to give you a bad time, but I know that you're not saying that, but at the same time, there doesn't seem to be a real barrier that he can't. It's not like the team got worse. It's not like he got less weapons. It doesn't seem to be, you know, any of the logical reasons. Now, if he just falls off a cliff, I guess it's possible, but I, I don't know. I just don't get that feeling. Brian, you were going to say something. I'm just laughing because you're being, you're so nice, Dana. You need to put the screws to Evan. Evan, it, it, it is absolutely. <laughs> the fact of the matter is if Gino plays well, there will be at least like a meaningful portion of Evan that will be like a little bit frustrated that he's playing so well. Like yes. if, me. If, if, yes. yes. And if, uh, yes, you think I'll be upset. It. That Don't my Seahawks that. quarterback if, is if, dominating if, the division. If he actually falls on his face, you are going to take some victory laps and you're going to feel a little no. bit. Yes. No. Yes, you will. I will never root against my own record, team. now on record, everybody. I would never root against my own team. But I will tell you this right now. Russell Wilson's going to have a better year in Denver than Geno Smith will in Seattle this year. Like that. Who cares? I'm telling you that right now. That's my hot take. That's my hot take. He's going to play so bad. Russell Wilson's going to play so bad that the third round pick that they traded for us is going to end up a first round pick. <laughs> That's how bad he's going to play. I, I forgot that we have another one. Denver that. paid a lot for a backup quarterback. I don't think that was a good <laughs> Eric Stenham got a lot of money from them. I'm oh, I thought you were making a joke about Russ. <laughs> oh, no. They paid a lot for Jared Stenham. And I think that was a message. Wasn't mm-hmm. it like close to 10 million or something absurd? It was something odd. It was day one of free agency. He needs a little heat. So, that's yeah. I, I, on the podcast I did earlier today, I had a whole take on it. You know, the Broncos season just completely depends on whether or not Peyton and, and Russ mesh right away. And if they don't, it could be real ugly. But if they do, it could be great, you know. So we'll see what happens. But but it doesn't matter because he's not on our team anymore. So we don't care how well he plays because we don't have to play him. So, right? Right? Yes. Moving on. <laughs> so, yes. So, uh, and it, what about you, Jeff, with Gino? Do you have any reservations? I, I, I expect him actually to play a little not necessarily better, but more consistently. Like, I don't think we're going to get those huge drop-offs just because he has another year under his belt and more time, you know, kind of in that role where even just this time last year, there were still some question marks out there. So, 
Yeah, for sure. At this time last year, I mm-hmm. thought he was going to be – I thought he played four games or something for the team and be a backup the rest of his career. But uh, Evan made some good points. And, like, I think his, inter- his like, turnover level throws – like, there's a stat on PFF that just measures, like, throws that should be intercepted. He had a really, really high number, especially in the second half of the year where he was admittedly forcing the ball. We've talked about this in other podcasts. A lot of the issues that he had in the second half, I think were related to interior offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think it was related to the receivers. It was related to all things they have addressed. So the thing with Gino, I think it's the biggest question other than obviously the defense. I think like if you're looking as an outsider of what this French, where this franchise is going, I think this year is a huge evaluation point for him. And the way they set up the contract, they have an out after one year. And John talked about wanting to trade for 2024 picks in last year's draft. I think a lot of that was he wants to position himself if they want to draft that next quarterback. So this year is a huge evaluation point for him. If Gino falls flat on his face, they're going to walk away after one year. Mm-hmm. Which again, I talk about that for one second. I mean, sure. I, I know you brought this up, Dana. It's two scenarios. If Gino actually is as good or better this year than he was last year what does that mean for the seahawks like multi like not just next year but in the future like assume that he is a top seven quarterback in the nfl that's unbelievable like i mean <laughs> is he your quarterback for the next four years do you, you locking in at that point I think we uh, ship an enticing offer over to Denver. <laughs> Do a round two. Here's Do a thing. round two. I, I think I think with Gino, I think that what it is is that they this contract literally is like year to year. Let's see. Let's see. It's not going to hurt him. It's not costing him a lot of money. They can literally take it year to year to year. But eventually, they're going to have to get a new quarterback probably within the next, I mean, three, let's be quite honest. Um, just because of his age, if nothing else. But I think that, that the way the contract sets up it for me, it just feels like they're like every year, we're just going to kind of wait and see what happens. Let me put it a different way. If he plays really well next year, is he the guy you're trying to win a Super Bowl with? Yeah. I think he could be. Yeah. He's a top seven quarterback. hundred percent. Yeah. It's good enough, especially on that deal. And then the opposite. If he if he is not good next year, you can define what that is, but he's just he's he's clearly not the guy. What does that mean for the Seahawks? Does that mean Drew Locke is gonna get a shot? Does it mean that they start over with someone else? What what do you what are you all are you assuming in that scenario? I think they'll draft a quarterback. I think they're gonna I think John's mm-hmm. gonna spend a lot of time studying quarterbacks yeah. this year. There's just one scenario where I there, would not be against them completely tanking this year for Caleb. So can we talk about that for a second though, Jeff? So I'm not saying it's a likely scenario, but there is a world where Seattle cannot stop the run again this year. Okay. So they get ran over defensively. Gino does not take a step. Gino regresses. They could end up with a very high pick. Unintentionally. This is the year to have one. I'm just saying it could, ha- it's not out of the realm of possibility. It really that's what I mean. That's why I'm not nervous I, about the season. I see like the downside is not that unfavorable of a scenario. Except for then we will all complain. <laughs> we will, but if they end up in a, 
draft to get your next franchise quarterback with the rest of the roster right. they have in place on rookie deals. Mm-hmm. That's the Super Bowl roster Brian's been talking about for years. Right. So ideally, Geno plays great and you have your quarterback locked in at a great value. But I think the, the flip side of it's a pretty good scenario. So is the worst case scenario that he has a season pretty much like last year that is really good in spurts and not as good in other spurts and you've got a guy that you know is not clearly good enough or not clearly bad enough is that the worst case scenario mm-hmm. probably a little sure. worse than that probably like the closer to the second half of the year you win like seven to eight games you're nowhere in the draft Gino doesn't get better so it's, it's pretty much what you're saying but slightly worse than that Damn, that's an interesting scenario, actually. Well, mull it over for next time because we have to do Patreon questions. All right. These people take time. They ask these questions, and we are here to answer them. We're going to start with Sean's question. Is there any chance, not including injury, that Mike Jackson starts a season at Q, uh, I'm sorry, CB2 instead of Witherspoon? Jeff. Uh, yeah, for sure. Mike Jackson was the best player in the offseason. It would be pretty ludicrous to imagine the fifth using a fifth overall pick on a non-starter, but you're going to be in three, you're going to be in nickel most of the time anyway, and you can just play Witherspoon in the nickel. And they were testing that out. So I do think there is a scenario where if Mike Jackson's play from the offseason carries over into camp, they want to get their best three guys on the field. Jamal's probably not ready to start the year. So you got Julian Love playing safety. If you're taking Kobe Bryant off the field, it's not a crazy scenario. I think it's either one of Kobe Bryant or Jackson probably coming off the field. Witherspoon's going to play one way or another. So I, I think it's, yeah, I think there's scenarios where Mike Jackson is the outside corner, but I'm hoping Witherspoon wins that job. Mm-hmm. All right. Jason asked about Shelby Harris, if he was likely coming back and we already answered that. Um, Brian thinks no. All right. This question's from Adam. Brian, I'm going to send this to you. How do you think the team will rotate the secondary when everyone is healthy? Diggs, Adams, Love, Woolen, Witherspoon, Jackson, and Bryant. I think that is just going to be a almost impossible question to answer until they get into camp because, um, and, th- and there's other guys to mention there. Jarek Reed, who is drafted as a nickel and safety, um, played both in college and, there are people that are really high on him. And so you have got, let's go over the nickels for a second. You've got Julian love who can play nickel. You've got Kobe Bryant who played nickel all last year. You've got, um, uh, Witherspoon who played nickel during some of the OTAs. Um, uh, Quandra Diggs can play nickel, but he wouldn't obviously be your nickel. Who am I missing? Uh, Jarek Reed, I guess I mentioned. So you've got a number of guys that play nickel. You've got at safety, the Jamal Adams situation is really a big open question. I'm assuming he's not going to play, but you know, you've got Julian Love and you've got Quandre Diggs. Um, and uh, I think that there could be some surprises about who they decide to try at safety. They liked Kobe Bryant enough. He was an outside corner. They played him nickel. He does not have the physical measurables of some of these other guys. And so I'm just wondering if he's going to get pushed out at nickel and, but he's also been a playmaker. So do they try to get him some reps at safety or somewhere else? So I think it's just going to be really open. And that, and then you just talk about the the corners, which we've already done. 
my assumption is it is going to be Witherspoon, Mike Jackson, and Reek Woolen um, as your starting corners. And that um, it's going to be Diggs and Love at safety. That's my assumption. And if it's something else, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. All right. So, Evan, this one is going to you. It's from Rob. It's like, first question is, do you think the Hawks would consider trading one of their cornerbacks with all their current depth? And if so, who is, who is, are the leading candidates to be moved in your mind? He's not going to like my answer to that question. The answer is no. Uh, that's oh, okay. a position group where I don't think you can ever have enough cornerbacks. That is an insanely valuable position. And even if I were to contemplate a player that they would move, you're telling me you're going to, they're not going to trade Tariq. They're not going to trade Devin Witherspoon. They're not going to trade Mike Jackson. Like maybe, maybe a Trey Brown gets shipped for something small. Um, Brian won't like that, but I, I, I think that's a position group where keeping reinforcements is, is a wise decision. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So. All right. Rob's second question was about surprise cuts. So we already covered that too. All right. Jason, last year's passing game was concentrated in short and long. Does Seattle add more comprehensive intermediate game usually associated with this offense? Jeff. Hold on. Repeat that for a second. I lost him. See, listen, you don't listen to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hold on. All right. So. Tells me that every two, two hours. So. Jeff was <laughs> looking at pictures of Jake Bobo. He was. Yeah. Really I'm mesmerized by that. All right. Jason asked last year's passing game was concentrated in short and long. Does Seattle add more comprehensive intermediate game usually associated with this offense? Yeah, 100%. That is one of the reasons they drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba, and he just dominates that part of the field out of the slot. And we talked about – I kind of alluded to this before. They, they just – they had kind of a hole in their offense last year where they, they had the some of the short stuff. They had the deep shots. And Gino was really, really good at hitting intermediate parts of the field. So that's one of the things he really did early in the year with tight ends. He was much better hitting DK on conventional routes. And how many times, like during the last couple of years and early with Waldron, we were like, where is DK gone? Why is he not going to target for four quarters? Mm-hmm. We've learned that was more of a Russell issue than a Waldron or a passing offense issue. And they were really hitting just more conventional, more timing reds. And that's why I thought Smith and Jigba in that whole offseason, I thought it was a pipe dream they'd get him. But I thought he was the perfect guy to just complete the offense. They didn't really have that player. And we've been kind of really since Doug left, they really haven't. Tyler Lockett can win out of the slot and there's been guys here and there, but like, if you watch like how the Patriots use Julian Edelman and what kind of that kind of player can do to like complete your offense and just be able to dominate that part of the field. That's why Smith and Jacob to me was just that perfect fit for this team because he complimented what they have so well. So I really do expect them to be a lot better assuming that Smith and Jigba can stay healthy and assuming he can play at this level, but all reports have been really, really good on him. It seems like he's going to transition really smoothly and, I think that's why I am encouraged by Gino. I think what that kind of player can do for a quarterback with what they can do already with Tyler and the tight ends and DK and really the third receiver last year was Marquise Goodwin, who was more of a deep ball guy. He's not a traditional slot guy, not at all. And Eskridge was not been able to stay on the field. So they like the end of the year, if you look, they were playing like Kay Johnson on third down and he's probably like their eighth receiver right now. 
and they were playing Laquan Treadwell. That game Tyler Lockett got injured. Laquan Treadwell was playing like two receiver sets. I don't know why I remember this. My brain is weird. But having Smith and Jigba, who was could have been a top ten pick in most draft classes, assuming he was healthy, that changes their whole intermediate passing game, and that's why everyone's so high on what this offense could be. I, I got to jump in on that too because mm-hmm. I think people forget that DK Metcalf punished the 49ers in the playoffs in that playoff game. I mean, they did not have a good answer for him and their secondary, their corner position did not improve. And that was already a weakness for them last year. And now you're going to Tyler Lockett already had been a player that was hard for them to deal with. And then he'd had a lot of success against them. And now you're going to add in JSN who I don't know, like we haven't had this debate yet. I think he ended up might he might be the guy that leads the team in receptions. I think it's possible mm-hmm. that he will become Gino's favorite target, his go-to target, his most you know reliable um, you know person to dump the ball off to. And that doesn't even include the fact that I think both running backs are going to be potential receiving threats as well. I, I mean, the 49ers' biggest strength has been their pass rush. Um, and if the Seahawks offensive line can hold up even a little bit, I think the 49ers weakness has been some of their coverage ability. And, uh, I think the Seahawks have everything that you need from a weapon standpoint to give them and everyone else major headache. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to answer Jen's question in the chat, Jen, about your question about the running backs. Yes. Okay. So let's go here. Um, Evan, this one's for you. It's from Ian. What do you think Noah Fant's future in Seattle looks like? Will we resign him after this season? Let him walk, trade him during the season, considering the depth that they have at tight end. That's a good question. Uh, they're spending a lot of money on the position. You know, they're spending, mm-hmm. what is it? I think a combined like mid teens, high teens on the t- just between two players, Will Disley and, and Noah Fant. Um, I think a lot is riding on this year and what Noah Fant's contract expectations will be next year. Obviously, he's a unrestricted free agent after this year. He's going to be entering um, uh, age 27. So he hasn't been mm-hmm. in the league that long. Remember, he was a first round pick in, in mm-hmm. 2019. So I think a lot is riding on this year, but I have a hard time seeing them, you know, justifying any sort of significant salary increases towards him. So I, he's not a priority in my mind. Mm-hmm. Fair. All right. One more, Brian. This one's for you. It's for Mark. It says, do you think there's a world where we don't extend Nuosu and go with the other edges next year? Or would Nuosu become a tag and a trade candidate if he has a great season? This is a, this is an interesting question. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you, to some extent, you would have expected them to extend Nuosu already to create cap space, um, mm-hmm. and they haven't done that. The longer they go without doing that, the more it leaves the question of whether he's part of their long-term plans. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't generally let edge rushers that have double-digit sacks, especially if he does it back-to-back years, reach free agency. And I don't think you can make the case, even if he has a good year again, that he's a franchise tag guy. Like he's not that good of an edge rusher. So I don't know. I think they're, they've got a couple gambles here. Daryl Taylor, who's um, I think people forget because he missed a, a year as a rookie, 
he will be a, a restricted free agent, even though this is his fourth year. Um, he will not be someone who the Seahawks have to like lose after this season. Um, they have some flexibility there with Boye Mafe and with Derek Hall and Daryl Taylor. They might want to see what they have before they make that call. And if, if those guys all play out, then they might let Nuosu walk. Um, it's hard to see that right now because he was arguably the best player on the defense last year. Um, a very, very shitty defense, but he was the best player on it. So I don't know. I, I, I could go on on that because I also have questions about how the scheme is going to adjust this year. I think he's the most scheme dependent player on the roster uh, on the defensive side. And if they end up deciding to go back more to four, three, I don't know if he really profiles as someone that can play Leo. So there's a lot of open questions that make that a hard question. Uh, there's a lot of open issues that make that a hard question to answer. Well, that is it for our Patreon questions. I want to thank everyone who submitted one. If you guys want to be able to, you know, send us in Patreon questions, go to patreon.com slash join. You get instant access to the Slack channel, which is a fantastic conversation. I swear the conversations on there like kept me going through the off season. You guys are so smart and so good. It was really fun. So I encourage everyone to do that. Evan, you raised your hand. I cannot believe we didn't even talk about the KJ Wright stuff. Oh, I think we Go gotta ahead. talk about that. I think we, we gotta got talk. episode. We, we need to real... talk about the running back thing a little bit. We need a real hot. <sighs> no, talk I just told Jen we weren't going to. <laughs> oh, really? All right. No, 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 no. We can. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying we need a real hot talk after dark. Like what? What happened? I honestly, I'm gonna admit it. I, I, I mean, I. He had a thing with Golden Tate on there. He's a pot stirrer. That's all. He. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> this episode. There's been a lot. Tell me, well, give me the greatest hope. What, what, what's gone on? So here, I'll, I'll read some quotes for you. How about okay. that? I won't even interpret anything. I'll just repeat what was said. Okay. Here's what Golden Tate said. There was a rumor out there that I was not coming back to the Seahawks because of Ashton, Russell's former wife, Russell's ex-wife at the time, had an affair with me, which was completely not true. In fact, my now wife, Elisa Tate and Ashton were best friends and still really good friends. Russell and, I, Russell and I had conversations about his future in regards to that. So when I heard that, I was kind of creative and kind of funny, but it picked up stream. I felt like I was never defended properly. It kind of made me angry because now everyone's just coming at me completely sideways and I'm not being defended. It was a whole big situation. I felt like a scapegoat, scapegoat in many ways. Uh, I was bitter for years, y'all, years. KJ goes on to say, like, um, I don't want to go viral with this. I really don't. A few dudes come on here off the record and on the record and have said what they've said or how they felt about number three. So when you play the game and I'm quoting, when you go through this journey, it's all about the brothers. It's all about the brotherhood. And when it's all said and done, he's got a lot of making up to do. He's got a lot of phone calls to make a lot of, Hey bro, I should have done better with that. And that's the God honest truth. I couldn't hold that inside, but he's got a lot of making up to do end quote. Why would Russell Wilson give two shits if KJ Wright wants an apology? <laughs> just don't get it. I don't. He's such a potster. I just, uh, it dri it's driving me crazy. It, it, does it really drive you crazy? It's it, just it, annoying. It's just like, meh, 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 meh. it's like, you know, little ladies around a teapot. They, I can't hack it. Weren't they both at Tyler Lockett's wedding like the day yep, before? The day before. Like together. Oh, yeah. In a picture. But wait it's like so awkward. To Don't me. you guys either within your families 
or at work have like your group that you're close to and then you just have some people that just drive you crazy and you talk about like doesn't that just come up for you or you have never been in that situation where you're of just course. Like, I fucking but, love the tea. Of course. Right. right? So, so imagine. But not in front of thousands of people on a podcast when it's not necessary. Like, Why? Yeah, under the microscope <laughs> where there's fame, fortune, you know, all the stuff going on. It's a team game and there is an equal amount of effort, hopefully, but an unequal amount of reward and attention and recognition mm -hmm. and when you have that going on knowing how much you're giving physically and emotionally and all this other stuff and then for the person that is unevenly partially due to the position maybe partially due to other reasons getting like the lion's share of the money the lion's share of the recognition and the fame you know getting with the famous wife all this kind of stuff that that person is also then not more generous and more like more of a giver to the other guys in the locker room. I can imagine that would be pretty frustrating. And then especially if that peaks at a point where that player is claiming that the reason that they're not winning more is because he's not getting more and that the actual reason they're not winning more is because he's getting more uh, like and that you're the one of the best defenses that's ever played in the history of the game. And he's not even one of the best quarterbacks that's played in the history of the game, or even he hasn't even been the best quarterback in the league during his era. I could understand why there's a lot of bitterness and frustration. This is their whole life. They don't have something else. They're not like going on to be like, you know, something else. This was their life. So I can imagine that a lot of that's hard to just let go of. No. I just think it's tacky to talk about it yeah, in front fair. of like, I, but I have issue with KJ, right? You guys know I do. He drives me insane anyway. I mean, he's a fine person and whatever, whatever. But well, I just, I, I, I struggle with, it's like, A, okay, he, Russ is gone now. Can, can we just, I, Evan even said it, just, just move yeah, on. Yeah, but the whole show is revisiting all, all his guests are from the 20s. Yeah, that's true. Really I mean, let's, let's, Sherm stays current, for God's sake. But all I mean, his guests just, are Avril, Luke Wilson, me yeah, being, yeah. they're all from He's, that team. They're not talking about the 2023 Seahawks. That's one, fair. One thing to keep in mind, he is just starting his media career, and he has an incentive to generate these clicks, right? To generate this interest. So I do agree to an extent though, Dana, it is tacky. Um, but to me, it's like, I just want these guys to be good with each other because like that to me, being like a Seahawks fan is such, even just a sports fan is like such a special time in my life. Mm -hmm. I want these guys to be good with each other. You know what I mean? I want this to be like a fairy tale ending. And but isn't that what he's asking for? I mean, that's what he seems like he's asking for. He wants to be good. And what he's asking for for that is for Russell to acknowledge where he wasn't good before and where he wasn't a good teammate. And he, but like, why would you expect that while he's still playing? He's not going to go back and say, You're right. It was all the defense. I wasn't all that good. Sorry, but I'm going to go play this game on Sunday. Like, that's illogical. It just irritates me. I, we don't, we don't know the full, the reality is, is we don't have the full information to know what's right. gone on behind the scenes. And KJ's also being super vague, right? Like, these are not like super specific, uh, uh attacks or anything it's like he's he's just saying he needs to make phone calls and stuff like there's it's very hard for i feel like any of us to have a nuanced conversation around this because 
there's just so much lacking detail. I don't yeah. know. And the thing is, like, Golden Tate was on, I think it was sure. Monday. He's been consistent with his point the whole time. That's true. Yeah, it's, I agree with that. The whole thing is, he got a little more in-depth that he said he was really bitter towards Russell even mm-hmm. after he left Seattle. Yeah. And he said, like, he would be on road games and fans would be yelling at his family that he slept That's with fashion and things like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you you guys know that it was down to Golden or Doug. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a decision the front office had to make keep one or keep the other. And I think about that sometimes how the Seahawks fortunes might've been different, not necessarily better or or worse. I don't know. But like if they had kept golden instead of Doug, I really wonder if that would have changed anything one way or another. They're very different players, but they're Mm -hmm. all very different people and personalities. And I don't know. I think they made the right choice. Obviously I'm pretty biased, but I like, I was I got to know both those guys. I like both of them quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had to make that choice because of the Percy Harvin deal. Yeah, I was going to say, the Percy Harvin trade arguably cost them the second Super Bowl. All right. If they hadn't made that trade, I don't think Golden goes anywhere. And I think Golden was a like such a great fit with Russell in terms of how – and a good compliment to Doug – and then curse like they had this really good thing going. I think it's an underrated part of the Seahawks story about Golden Tate leaving and becoming a Pro Bowl receiver elsewhere. I just, I just hope these guys can work it out behind the scenes. That's all. I don't, they won't. I don't think they ever will. You don't think I, they will? I, they will maybe in like twenty I years. They'll kind of publicly patch things together, but I think it's what mm-hmm. Brian said. I think they will always hold him in. Like they'll always resent him based on the attention and the way that Seahawks. And look how many players came out for that first game to kind of – I think they'll always hold him as kind of the thing that held the team back and the way he was talked about. And he's just not – I think they'll always have that resentment for him. Maybe they'll patch things up a little bit, but I really agree with what Brian was saying before. That makes sense. I don't think I don't think Russ has the tools to patch this up. I don't think he is I just don't that could be, he, I, I kind of agree with that. I don't too, think he has the EQ too. to be able mm-hmm. to do it and and – does he have an avoidant attachment style? Is that what, what it is? I know the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I know that personality styles. I know exactly what an avoidant exactly. is. Exactly. Oh, no. I know. I don't know if I want to know the answer no. to that. But, yeah, I don't know. I, old age, you know. They're going to start getting in the Hall of Fame, and they're going to start, and then they're going to get all sentimental, and eventually they'll end the ring. It'll be, it'll be fine. Super Bowl, well, they'll, they'll, it's just such a black cloud over the whole thing. I just hope I hope NFL Films does a whole thing on it or ESPN. Uh, that's just as they're gonna maybe come back. There'll be a thirty yeah. for thirty that's, on it, yeah. and it's gonna be brutal. Right, <laughs> it's it is. gonna be so it's fun. Be the group chats are gonna be lit. <laughs> I mean, you guys got it. Yeah. Last year, Russ gets traded, it and the the difference in terms of player involvement from like post, old Seahawks coming to training camp to practices to games being around the team doug's now doing like the the seahawks sound or whatever yeah, the that, voiceover mm-hmm. right like the amount of involvement from seahawks alumni from that That's era true. night and day overnight the only change is russ leaving yeah. i mean that's it go it runs deep with those with those back group yeah and, and richard sherman might be getting a job with skip bayless so, oh, what? What? Yes. what you guys see that i no? did what? I had a Herman, Well, Shan Sharp left that show, and yeah. Sherman is a front runner. And no, meeting with him, and 
for she first on every day three hours screaming takes that so, is going to come up a lot this that year. could actually be the first person who could take down Skip Bayless. i'm like yeah. i'm in for that show <laughs> so funny that <laughs> full circle you, you remember when he was on and destroyed oh, yeah. bayless yeah i mean that he just like break out him yeah it's true yeah there's so much drama with those boys. It's kind of fun, but at the same time, I'm like, well, it's funny. A couple of them, Cliff, Cliff was on KJ's show and was really that was really good. He was really defending Russell. Actually, yeah, I really, I just, I just like Cliff. I, I that was a great show. He's had a couple of great shows. I saw in the comments somewhere that someone's like, I hope he brings Marshawn on. Me doesn't, too. <laughs> doesn't Mike B love Russell too, Michael Bennett? He doesn't love him, but he's defended him. Yeah, but like Luke Wilson was on there, and I've heard that he wasn't a big fan of him either. And that was pretty surprising. Like everyone talks about the lob not liking him, and Luke being one of the most beloved, like happy-go-lucky guys, and he was he was pretty hard. I've heard over the years that he was not big on him. Because could someone explain to me why all of a sudden that the running back thing has become a conversation? I I, I read on, on Twitter. The, I read the tweets. No, I understand oh, like. There's a tweet from, I think it was Matt Miller about yep. the plan for yeah, running exactly. backs mm-hmm. is that you draft one and then you franchise tag them sure. once and then you and draft then you another. Mm-hmm. And so, all the running backs like Saquon Barkley and Derek Henry yeah. and Josh Jacobs all quote tweeted it saying that they don't appreciate us and we'll just leave and we'll take our ball and go home. Well, none and of them got like, paid. None of well, them have gotten a deal. Three players, Brian, there's three players that were left in the franchise tag deadline. And they all right. had All Monday. three are running backs. It was Saquon, Josh Jacobs, and I think it was Tony Pollard. Yes. And those were the three none guys. of them, not a single one of them, even were close, apparently, in their negotiations. But why is this a debate? Like, it, it, I mean, this seems like such old news. I know. And that's why it's funny. But it's because of the timing that it was just them three. And Saquon's like the high-profile running back. I think that kind of just... Like I said, the media off, and then mm-hmm. then the players got all upset. Plus, also keep in mind, there's nothing else to talk about right now. <laughs> That's probably more it, Dana. It's no, just... but it does seem like the NFL has really come and changed that in the last few mm-hmm. years. And I know that would probably make Nathan the happiest person uh, on this show, but it seems like there has been a, like a progressive change in the league where they've really stopped paying running backs. And mm-hmm. that's something new. I think that there's a there's some there's some other less talked about position value changes in the NFL in the last like five years or so. Yeah. Like middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. That's why I think has been massively devalued, mm-hmm. um, you know, in general. Um, I think that kicker has actually increased like the, the, the amount of people that are willing to pay a kicker. Jason Myers with his little. I'm not saying it's a good thing. You remember I mean, his little postseason image? Remember? I, can't do this I remember YouTube, Evan. But... You don't have to. You can extend your fingers later. I mean, I know you're you're, you're always uh, worried about our our friendly family rating on this show with your language, but God forbid you use the fingers. Um, <laughs> I have morals, okay? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, I mean tight end other than the top couple like is tight end a position that really is is getting a lot of money like it seems to me like the story in the nfl is that a few positions have become ultra valued Mm. 
and quarterback everything else yeah quarterback edge rusher receiver back receiver receiver shot like have become like the positions and everything else i feel like is receded even off the line safety's also gone way down what's that safety's also i can't believe center is so so i mean center is valued less than running backs Mm -hmm. and i don't know you know me about centers we don't go there but um Uh, yeah anyway the running back thing is just weird to me it seems so obvious it's been that way for decades as far as i'm concerned draft a young running back don't i mean maybe sign him to a second contract never sign him to a third and then go back i mean that's just the way i think that the problem is and and i think a lot of the media people are getting behind it like you see rich eisen saying you know i think it was rich eisen that said you can't have a dynasty without a running back and you know you can't and then steve weish comes out and he says you know that they put their bodies on the line because they have to do double duty they have to pass block and run and catch sometimes and so i think that I think that there are these people coming to them and saying they are a valuable part and you guys are turning them over, you know, as quick as you can. And now there's less and less college kids. Of course, you want to be a running back. You're not going to make the money in it. They all want to be, you know, wide receivers or quarterbacks. And so it's like, I think that, I, I think that the hubbub about it is that it's Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, who had an amazing year last year. Mm-hmm. And so instead of it just being, you know, Joe Bob Jr. down the way, it's some bigger names this year. And honest to God, Saquon Barkley saved Daniel Jones's ass last year. And so I think that that is, I think that's part of it. That makes sense. I mean, I would be, I, I understand why the running backs are pissed about it. Um, and yes, Jen, I saw your tweet about Creed. I see all everybody's tweets about Creed. Yes, I never miss any of them. Thank you for making my day a little bit worse. I appreciate it. Um, so if you're if you're a player and you're watching, and I saw that they're like, hey, how's a third wide receiver getting paid more? You see the quarterbacks like you know Daniel Jones in New York getting paid forty million bucks a year to be a totally mediocre quarterback, and you can't even get. 8 million to be a running back or whatever. And you're taking more punishment. I get it. It sucks. I also think running backs, one of the coolest positions in the NFL. Like it's fun. Barry Sanders. Like there's been amazing running backs to watch, but it is what it is. Like don't play the position, you know, play something else. Anyway, I opened up a whole can of worms with the KJ stuff. Shocking. So. Shocking that is that you would open a whole can of worms. <laughs> I don't think you tried to do that. I think it was an honest question. I, I, I agree. It was, yeah, I don't know. we'll see. But all right. I think that's it, Brian. Well, thank you. You proved yourself right and me wrong, which is always fun. There was plenty to talk about. It's also just good to see everybody. If you haven't given the show a like already, please do. Appreciate that. Um, go over to patreon.com slash hawk blogger. Sign up for immediate access to the Slack channel. Um, follow everybody here on Twitter and on threads. If you can find them at Hawk blogger for me at Evan Hill, HB at Dana OG at real Jeff Simmons and follow at real Hawk talk uh, as well to know when we have new shows coming out. And so we are how far away from training camp? One week. I think week. Next week. Yeah. I like, like I think 15 teams or something like that started today. Wow. Okay. So we will be starting having a lot more to discuss. I think 
first things on that list are going to be who shows up and actually practices. I mean, is, is anybody going to be on that pup list that we are surprised about and unhappy about? Is there anybody that's off of that pup list that we're shocked about? Those are going to be where things start. And then it will, it will go from there into here's why Jake Bobo is going to be the best receiver in Seahawks history here is Drew Locke really going to find a way to unseat uh, Gino Smith. There's going to be all sorts of funny storylines to follow and uh, looking forward to all of them and sharing all of them with you. Thank you to Dana, Evan, Jeff for coming on tonight. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We will see you soon. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.